This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 223 to 238. And I'm broadcasting on an unusually rainy night here in San Diego with heavy rain and thunder and even a little bit of hail, which is incredibly unusual. But it's okay, because I like the rain, actually, and we don't get a whole lot of it here, so it's a nice change of pace. So talking about the strip now, which is what I'm actually here to do, page 223, he is rather fetching. So here we have the four guys who are here to collect the bounty on Annika, which happens probably quite a bit. And Tresca is grateful that the guy was not mincing words and just got right around to what he wanted. A nice-looking sword in the second-to-last panel. It actually, it's a very nice-looking sword, and I like the highlight along the edge there. And Evan is probably the most polite of the entire group in telling them that, uh, basically, go to hell. Not a lot to say on this page. This is just one of those pages that, basically, I need to have two groups of people get into a fight, and so they basically just act like pricks to each other until it comes to fisticuffs, or, uh, or swordplay in this case. Page 224... So Mika's already prepared to mix it up and starts to draw her sword, and Tresco wants to slow her down, which is mainly just preparation for what Evan's going to do in the next page when he draws a sword, and then, well, I'll talk about that there. But also to, to show that Mika's really the kind of person who's starting to feel that the solution to most problems is violence, uh, not unlike other characters in Falcon Twin. And so her reaction to these guys, sort of trying to order them around and, and take Annika away and do things, is to just whip out her sword and prepare to start killing people, or at the very least fighting them. Tresca is more level-headed and is trying to encourage Mika to be a little more level-headed, but as we will see shortly, she isn't. So Evan still, despite these guys being total pricks, is trying to uh, talk them down, and they're not really going to be talked down. Page 225, so the guy threatens them, and Evan's finally had it and draws his sword. This is one of the nicest-looking swords possibly in the strip so far, I think, on panel 2 on this page, 225 here. It's, uh, I really like the way the, the light reflects off it on the upper surface of the blade, and then the way that you have a little bit of light playing off the lower surface, and the highlights around the edges of the sword look very nice. And then also Mika in the third panel looking angrily at Tresca, because now Tresca's sort of been made to look a little bit of a fool, since she just told Mika not to draw her sword, and now Evan just did. So, whip, out comes Mika's sword, here comes the fight. And of course, this one guy is kind of a pansy here in the last panel, which is to lead into what happens to him later on. He's sort of having second thoughts about this, but, you know, the other guy has already got his heart set on having a fight and taken Annika by force if he has to. He also calls Evan an altar boy, which is probably something that guys like Evan hear from time to time when people are trying to put him down. But, you know, I mean, they're, they're soldiers in a way. Soldiers, you know, they represent the church, but they're still warriors, so you probably don't get that said to their face all that much. Page 226, hey, look, a fight! So they all do their little fighting thing, and they're all fighting in their own different ways. Evan and one guy are crossing swords, and Annika's using her magic to deflect the other guy's sword. This is the same magic that she's using later on. The colors are the same, and it's a similar sort of effect. She's just deflecting the swords with some sort of force push or something. Tresca, same as in Chapter 2, is just going to you know, bring fists to a sword fight and you know, is going to handle herself just fine. And Mika is, of course, fighting with the guy. And this is just to illustrate that they're all taking a person each and they're going to get into a fight. And they'll all be sort of busy with their own things so they won't be interfering with each other's fights. Page 227. So Mika's fighting with this guy and actually doing quite an admirable job of handling herself. And this is an example here in the second panel, as I was talking in Chapter 4 about the way that Mika got into the fight with the bandit and kicked him in the head and people didn't really understand what was going on. Here, I think it's pretty obvious that there's a foot smashing into the guy's face, but 
it doesn't really look like it's smashing. You don't really have the sort of action line that you had when Mika was kicking the guy in Chapter 4, and I don't think it looks as good. But for whatever reason, um, you know, I guess at least this way people don't have any ambiguity about that, yes, it's Mika kicking the guy in the face. And so the title of this page, Merely a Toy, a Plaything for My Amusement, is also intended to drive home the point that Mika's really way above this guy's level. And so finally, at the very end of this page, Mika smashes the guy in the face, just because she can, really. Breaks his nose, and you can see there's blood seeping through his bandana, or whatever it is that he's got over his face, and a little bit of it running down his neck, too, in the final panel. Page 228. And so Mika's just dealing with these sword strikes the guy's doing as they come in, and doing sort of fancy show-off things, and turning around and blocking it from behind her, and then eventually just stabs the guy right through the chest, which I think was something that she didn't really intend to do, in the sense that she was just kind of on a roll, and it wasn't until after she'd already run the guy through that she realized that she had just actually killed him. And the sword in the final panel looks a little bit skinny, I don't like that. But it was something that she didn't really intend to do, you know, and she didn't intend to kill him. She intended to wound him, maybe, but not to just flat-out kill him. But that's what she kind of ends up doing, and she has to deal with in page 229. And so we start to see Mika's internal reactions to this. I don't like the blood on the sword in this first panel because it doesn't look as good as the blood did in Chapter 4 when Mika stabbed the guy. Also, the JPEG compression really did a number on those blood drips that are coming off the sword. If you look real close, they're really sort of grainy looking and not very good. So anyways, gray-haired dude is checked out. He's gone. He's probably already dead. And Mika's having trouble dealing with this, and you can see the guy sort of slumping forward in the fourth panel onto the sword. And then there's a nice effect in the last panel here where Mika's kind of in her own world in this fight with the guy, represented by the background. And so you can see the real world with Tresca and this other guy intruding on Mika's world where you've got this sort of background and then a shift in the background colors too. Page 230, so Tresca manages to push Mika out of the way. And a little cheat here is that I didn't actually show Mika's sword coming out of the guy that was being stabbed. I guess I just didn't feel it was necessary. But yeah, her sword is out of the way already. And so Tresca pushes Mika out of the way, but takes one for the team. And down she goes. Very nice looking blood on the ground in the third panel there. And Tresca is probably not too used to getting injured in battle at all, really. So she's down for the count for right now. And Mika freaks out about this. And this is one of the main points of the scene, is just to establish how incredibly seriously Mika takes this you know, wound that Tresca suffered. The reaction that she has is completely overacting as a result of this feeling that she has for Tresca, which has been somewhat repressed. Page 231. So the action in this scene I don't think ever played out quite as well as it should have. The idea is that the guy is swinging his sword down, I think that's pretty clear. But Mika is dodging to the right and then lifting her sword up. And so as the guy's swinging down, she's swinging up, and sure enough she cuts through both of his arms in the second panel. And then in the third panel, if you look closely, you can see a big spray of blood on the left which I think is mainly a background thing. I don't think that's actually coming from his other arm. But then you can also see that she's holding, with her left hand, she's holding his arm up so that she has a clear swing on his stomach in panel four. And in panel four, the sword looks a little bit too long, and I really probably should have made it somewhat shorter because it looks like she's cutting all the way through him, which she's not. She's just cutting through his stomach, as you can see in the next panel. But it really looks like she's you know, sliced him clean in half, which she didn't. So here's the guy on his knees in panel 5 as he falls to his knees from his wounds. Mika is making a grab for him as he stares at the stumps of his hands. 
the thing about this page is that I don't think that I fully achieved the horror effect of the guy having his arms cut off because, you know, when you think about it, having your arms cut off is a pretty horrific thing because it really screws you over for life and it's a irreversible thing. I suppose that maybe if they had a healer around that could fix the guys, it wouldn't be irreversible, but in this case, they don't. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. This guy is not doing anything for the rest of his life, even if, you know, he wasn't about to die. The, the horror of having both of your hands cut off is pretty awful, and I should have probably pushed that a little bit more, even though people would have freaked about it, but, you know, screw them. And so then Mika grabs the guy's head in the final panel, and people were wondering what exactly was going to happen, and, you know, you don't see it on this page, and page 232, you don't really see it in the first panel here either, which is kind of an interesting thing, and, and something that I did on purpose that I wanted people to not be immediately clear whether or not his entire head had been cut off or whether she just slashed his throat pretty severely. I have to say the blood in the first panel doesn't look very good. It's sort of just sort of scratchy looking. I could have done a better job on that. And then in the second panel we see Mika covered with blood. I also don't like the blood on her too much either. I wish it would have been more uh, running into each other instead of a bunch of distinct streaks running down her face. And an interesting thing that if you look very closely, you can see that the spray pattern of the blood on Mika's vest is farther down on the right than it is on the left, because in the first panel, when she's slashing the guy's throat open, she's got her left shoulder down a little bit so that the blood that sprayed out hit her shoulder higher than it did on the right. And that's a very subtle detail thing, which I'm sure that absolutely no one picked up on until I did mention it just now. And panel three, so she didn't cut off the guy's head completely. He's still alive. And don't ask me how I know this, but you cut a person's throat. They don't die instantaneously. And, you know, breathing through those tubes is kind of difficult in that situation. And they do make a wheezing sound like that. Or at least uh, they can. I think I should have put a little bit more blood down the front of the guy's shirt, too. Because especially if you look at the amount of blood that came out in the first panel, it would have made more sense for him to have a, just a big, completely blood-covered front. Or at least probably half of it should have been covered with blood. Nice detail on all this stuff inside of his neck, too. If you look, you can see the spinal column. You can see the two tubes. The guy's really in pretty bad shape now, and he's still alive. And then Mika sort of delivers the final insult to injury, if you will, when she spits in the guy's face and then stabs him through the head. And the idea here, Mika isn't really thinking consciously at this point, which I'll probably go into in a page or two. But to the extent that she is thinking consciously about anything, she wants every moment of this guy's life until he dies to be horrifying for him. And so instead of just slashing his throat open and throwing him on the ground and walking away, where he would have at least a second or two to sort of come to terms with what is happening to him, in this case she's kind of constantly doing worse and worse things to him up until the moment that he dies. And so she spits in his face and he reacts to that before she finally just stabs him right through the eye. And that's something that I think is, in a way, one of the worst ways to kill a person is to kill him instantaneously. She didn't really kill him instantaneously because she did all these horrible things to him. But in a way, it's almost more kind to a person to give him at least a few seconds to sort of come to terms and with what's going to happen to them and then fade out quietly than to just instantly kill them. And so that's you know one of the highest ways that Mika disrespects him is by killing him instantly instead of uh, you know letting him suffer a bit and, and sort of gradually die. And this was the page where everyone started to really freak out about the violence. And there were a couple of people on the forums who were going, I can't believe this. This is way over the top. I can't. How could you possibly do this? Oh, no. And it was really quite funny. So for all you people who freaked out about this and posted horrible messages on the forums, uh, thanks, because it was really entertaining to me. So page 233. Now Mika's finished with the one guy, and we cut back to Annika, who is dealing with this other person here, the wimpy guy. 
and Annika's just doing her thing, you know, knocking his sword out of the way, which is probably something that she just does for fun, because, you know, in reality, she could have just lit the guy up like a Roman candle or something if she wanted to. And so she's in the middle of dealing with this guy, and then she hears him scream, and we reveal what's happened to him, that Mika's cut off his arm, and she's standing there looking calmly. And I really like, his expression is nice, and then I particularly also like the way the blood is sort of spurting out in little jets from his wound. I don't know if the bones would stick out of a person's body like that if you cut off their, uh, well, any part of them. It happened with the other guy, too, where she cut off his hands. I don't know if the bones actually stick out like that, but I think that if I hadn't had them stick out, it would have been less clear about uh, what they were. They would have just been, you know, two random circles. And so, as I was saying before about conscious thoughts and Mika sort of being unconscious, Mika's really pretty much operating on automatic through this entire thing, particularly from the moment when Tresca is wounded and she reacts to the guy. She's not really having any conscious thoughts at all. She's just acting. And so when she says, go help Tresca, people were sort of taking this to mean that she was still conscious and she was sane and she wasn't totally out of her mind, which I guess you could still make the case that she was totally out of her mind. But the point was that she was totally out of control in these. When she says, go help Tresca, it doesn't mean that she's having thoughts and thinking these things through as she's doing them. It's just that she sort of screams that, and it's about the only conscious thought that's really passed through her mind from the time that she starts, you know, really killing the guy that wounded Tresca until the time that Evan grabs her arms later on and, and stops her. And so there's Annika in the final panel looking amazed at how Mika looks. And in, secretly, I bet she sort of finds it fascinating, especially later on after she's had a little bit of time to think about it. But at the time, it's definitely a shock to her. And even though Annika wouldn't say it in front of other people, I think she sort of admires Mika for being a homicidal maniac. Page 234. And so here's the guy saying, no, please. When Mika then continues to kill him anyway, it was to kind of drive home the point that Mika's pretty much completely lost control, is going to take it you know, way farther than she should have, because she could have just left the guy. He probably would have died anyway. But there wasn't really any need to continue to go farther. And so in the second panel, she slashes through his stomach, which you can see on the left-hand side of the panel. You can see some of the intestines inside there. And she's slashing through his stomach, and his hand happens to be in the way which is why she slashes his thumb off and then the distal parts of his last two fingers, his pinky and his ring finger. She cuts those off and then punches into the wound in the third panel. Some people interpret that as being like a, a Gandhi 2 thing where she punches straight into his stomach. But no, actually she cut his stomach open first and then stuck her hand into it. It wasn't like she just punched straight into his stomach, which it would be... Well, I was going to say it would be a little far-fetched, but then there's a lot of far-fetched stuff in Falcon Twin. But no, that's not what she did. So anyway, she cuts his stomach open, reaches in, grabs his intestines, and yanks him out. Nice little moment of eye contact between the two of them. And if people hadn't freaked out on the page a couple of pages back where Mika slashed the guy's throat open, this is where they just absolutely went totally mental and couldn't handle it. I don't know if it's really all that easy to, to rip a person's intestines out like that. I mean, I imagine they'd be pretty slippery. And also, you know, when Mika cut into his stomach, I imagine that it probably cut a bunch of the intestines open, so there wouldn't just be these long strings of intestine like she's yanking out there although I guess you do see a couple of loose ends dangling out there but I don't know I mean I'd like to try it sometime and see what it's like but I doubt I'll get the opportunity I have to say that given the opportunity I might not do it anyway just because you know having done dissections there's lots of uh, nasty shit in inside of intestines and I mean that literally so I don't know if I'd want to reach into someone's abdominal cavity if I knew that they had actually uh, had their intestines severed open if they were intact maybe but otherwise no page 235, so enough of that guy. We're going to move on to the guy that Evan's fighting, which you can kind of see from their swords clashing in the first panel, and that's their swords. I don't know if people realize that that was 
kind of the point to show the two swords that one that Evan had and the one that the other guy had and so you were supposed to conclude that that's who was actually fighting which you should have come to anyway since there was no one else left to be fighting Mika dispatches the one guy she was just dealing with by stabbing him presumably through the through the heart although it could have been through the face too I don't think it matters and Evan's in the middle of the fight with this guy and Mika just shoves him right out of the way I don't know if it's really that easy to shove a guy Evan's size out of the way but it's a comic and you know roll with it so Mika shoves Evan out of the way and this guy reacts it's kind of interesting that neither of them realized that this was going on since people have been screaming and you hear all kinds of things happening to them but I'm just going to assume that it happened so fast that they didn't have a time to think about it and presumably they were concentrating on fighting each other too and not to what was going on around them and so there's Mika looking awful and angry page 236 Mika slashes through the guy's legs some people were complaining about this there is no way you could possibly slash through a guy's legs but I remember I was reading somewhere that they did a test on how sharp Japanese swords were and someone actually cut straight through three corpses, three dead bodies, in a single swing of a sword. So I figured, well, if you can cut through three bodies, certainly you can cut through this guy's two legs. There's a little bit of playing it fast and loose with the physics here. If the guy's legs are bent as they are in the first panel and she cuts through them, just because of the balance, he would have fallen instantly to the ground. It wouldn't have been like tipping a tree over. But, you know, again, it's just for effect. So she cuts through his legs and tips him over with a gentle push of her two fingers. I think maybe this was a little bit inspired by Resident Evil, the movie, which had some pretty horrible things done to people, and especially that scene towards the beginning where the woman has her head cut off by the laser, which I found a little bit disturbing. So down the guy goes, and Mika delivers the death blow to the last of the four banditos. We hardly knew ye. So plump splits his head straight open, and moving on to the next page, page 237, and this is a line that Mika's saying in the first panel. This is a line straight from Starship Troopers, when some guy shoots one of the bugs and kills it and then continues to shoot it and taunt it. That's what that line is from. He says something like that. And the idea in the second panel, which I don't think was conveyed very well because it's kind of hard to convey repeated actions in a comic without showing the same thing over and over again, is that she's hitting his head over and over and over again with the sword until Evan finally grabs her in the third panel and stops her. Interestingly enough, there's no blood on the handle of Mika's sword, which is just an oversight or laziness on my part. I don't know why. But at any rate, Evan grabs Mika and snaps her out of it. And this is the first time she's sort of consciously aware of what's going on and, you know, the absurdity of what she's done. And so that's why she looks down and sees this head that's been sort of mangled. And you take a look at the inside of that head, too. I actually worked on the anatomy, so it's not completely awful. If you look closely, you can see the tongue. You can see the cerebellum. You can see the cranial cavity. Did I actually do all the little lines in the cerebellum? I think I did, although you might not be able to see them because of the JPEG compression. At any rate, yeah, cerebellum was kind of an interesting, creepy-looking thing. And there it is right there, split in half, a little circular thing on either side of the inside of his head. And so Mika sees this body that she's done this horrible thing to and then loses her lunch. Finally, page 238, Mika runs off and hurls conveniently behind a tree. I actually like her hand in panel 2, the way that she's supporting herself on the tree. The, the shape of it looks really nice, and the shadows on the tree and everything look very good. I like that a lot. And so now Mika's starting to have conscious reactions to what she's done and, and is kind of appalled at her own behavior. And so there's Tresca. She's okay. And a very nice detail thing that I don't think anyone ever noticed, and I hope they will after I say this because it was something that I was very proud of. If you look in panel 5, where Mika turns to look up at Tresca, you can actually see a handprint on her face 
where she was holding her mouth before she threw up. And so if you look, you can see the thumbprint up next to her nose, and you can also see the print of her palm and her fingers beneath her nose and over her mouth and chin. That's a really nice little detail thing. And so Tresca asks Mika what happened, and what happened? Why did she do it? Find out next time on the next exciting installment of the Falcon Twin Podcast. Or maybe not on the next exciting installment. Actually, I'm thinking about doing a sound-seeing tour of UCSD since it's about the last week of the quarter. So I was thinking this Friday I might do a little bit of a tour about where I go and what I do and what I take, which is all going to change after this quarter is over, but at least you'll get to hear a little bit of something about it walking around, and I can comment cynically on UCSD. And so it's free content, it's easy, and I don't feel like talking about the strip every single time because I'm going to run out of strips to talk about before too long. So unless I get some kind of major pushback and people saying, no, for God's sake, please don't do that, then uh, then I guess I'll probably consider doing that. If you have thoughts, if you think the idea is good, if you think the idea sucks, send me an email at bman at falcontwin.com or post it in the forums and bitch about it there. So there.